In today's show, we're recapping the action from Tuesday in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. There's only the five games on Tuesday. So we'll look into those ones, look at some news around the NBA, some waiver wire trends, and of course, give our awards for best performances and worst performances of the day. Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, big news. Big Chungus is out. Nikola Jokic. Yep, Jokic will be out tomorrow due to COVID. The expectation is he'll miss at least the next two games. Maybe it's going to be a week. We don't know. But Jokic is out. So what does this mean? Do we add DeAndre Jordan? Like, uh, no, I don't think so. A, he's terrible. B, I don't think he can play 30 games. The Nuggets do, 30 games, 30 minutes. The Nuggets do have other options. Michael Malone doesn't use them, but there's Jeff Green who'll play some center. Aaron Gordon will play some center. Zeke Naji will play some center. I don't think it's a straight swap of Jordan for Jokic's minutes. Hopefully they go a different direction and just start Naji and play him the big minutes. But with 10 games on tomorrow, I don't think that we're rushing to scramble to add DeAndre Jordan or Jeff Green or Zeke Naji. Bones Highland was ruled out. And now he's been ruled doubtful. Maybe he returns. And Aaron Gordon's also questionable with a non-COVID illness. So a few things going on there in Denver that we do need to pay attention to, but I'm not rushing to grab DeAndre Jordan. He might be a good source of rebounds, but there's not even a guarantee that he hits 25 minutes. That's that's realistic for him. Like I don't think he gets it. He's so bad that... Yeah, if Malone gets an extended look at him, he'll just be like, no way. Like, I'll run small. I'll run whoever out there. I'll play bloody Magaporter Jr. at center if I need to. So I don't think that it's an immediate rush out there to go and get um, DeAndre Jordan. A couple of toe issues, weirdly. Toe um, toe sprains. Des Bain is out for two to three weeks. We saw that, and, and I'll talk more about the Bain situation when we cover the Grizzlies game really soon. But he's out for two to three weeks. And in Detroit, Alf Stewart is out two to three weeks. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. All right. So I talked about this yesterday, but it doesn't get through to everybody. Not everyone hears it. And I'll say this again now. With the big prefaces that I could be wrong and the Pistons might change tack completely and they might do something that we don't expect. All right. But yesterday, Isaiah Stewart played zero center minutes. Zero. So the absence of Isaiah Stewart does not help Jalen Duren at all. It also doesn't change anything for Marvin Bagley. I don't think. they. It, it's, it's not exactly the same. And I know the confusion is there because Stewart had been their starting center every game apart from the last one. But based on what we saw last game, it's Bagley and Duren that play center and Stewart out, so Sadiq Bay will move back into the starting lineup, and he'll play his 33, and Isaiah Livers will be his backup. It doesn't, to me, I don't think they will experiment at all 
Well, they might experiment. They won't go with a consistent run of Bagley and Duran together. I don't. They don't need to, and it doesn't make sense for them to do it. So in the past, while Bagley was out, if Stewart was out, yes, Duran was the ad, but not now. Because the minutes that Stewart is playing is exclusively at the four, and Duran will not play there. Again, they might change their mind. Dwayne Casey might change what he does and decide that he's going to run Bagley and Duran out there and play Duran 25 minutes and get that combination together. I don't know that. But what I do know is that it didn't happen for a single second in yesterday's game. It just didn't happen at all. So I wouldn't rush. I'd keep it. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it tomorrow, but I would not rush to go and add Jalen Duran based on this. It doesn't actually change anything for Marvin Bagley either. He's going to play his 27, 28 minutes as the starter. Duran gets 19 to 20 minutes as the backup. And that's it. Now, you can still make the argument that 28 minutes of Marvin Bagley, if you are a points and rebounds whore, that you're looking for those numbers. That's fine. He does that. He'll be bad at free throws. He doesn't really block many shots. There's no assists. There's no steals. There's low volume threes. This is who Bagley is and who he's always been. And in points leagues, him as a starter is a 12-team league guy, irrespective of Isaiah Stewart's injury. But I don't think that this injury to Stewart changes anything for Bagley. It does change a lot for Bay, who was at risk of losing three to four, five minutes a game. Now he pushes back up and stays 33. It's of use to guys like Hamadou Diallo, who will play some more there, whereas Bay might have moved to the second unit and played more 3-4. Now he moves to the first unit and plays all exclusively as the starting four, and Diallo gets the backup three minutes. It helps Isaiah Livers get some more minutes as the backup three and four. It helps guys like Alec Burks get a few minutes backing up the two and the three as well as some at the one. But I don't think it changes much for Bagley or Duran. I think they're locked in at 28 Bagley, 20 Duran, which is exactly what we saw yesterday. I think that is how things will run. The big winner, which again, it is weird to say considering he never actually lost, he only theoretically lost, was Bay, who was set to lose, and then he didn't because Stuart got injured. So that's a winner without actually ever having to lose something. And I hope, I hope that makes sense with a complete disclaimer that Dwayne Casey's a dickhead, and maybe we see Stuart and Duran or Bagley and Duran starting together playing 30 minutes each. I'll, I'll fall over, I'll, and I won't probably be able to get back up, but it might happen. But the available evidence that we have suggests that that isn't the case. And we will watch it tomorrow. Wendell Carter Jr. dealing with a plantar fascia issue. A lot of people are panicked about that because plantar fascia issues can be annoying. But he's not even ruled out for tomorrow. He's listed as questionable which to me makes me think maybe it's not too serious. Now, if you want to take a flyer on someone, Mo Bamba is the obvious one. And 22, 24 minutes, 25 minutes of Mo Bamba is a clear ad. Right? So take a flyer. If you want to take a flyer on Bamba, absolutely no problem. That's what we preach. Having a streaming spot, having an open spot so you can take flyers on guys. We don't know what will happen with Carter. Go and grab Bamba. See, what, see where we go with this. But we might go literally nowhere. So if I've got Carter, I'm not panicking. If Bumba's available, I'd take a crack because there is an opportunity that might appear and it might not. And it might be a waste of an ad, but that's all we can do. As I said, we will talk about Des Bain and his injury in a second. Top 10 most added players. Top 10, no, top 8 most added players over the last 24 hours. Timmy Hardaway up 17%. Again, this is a stream option for today. He's fine, but obviously not a must roster. Cam Reddish up 14%. Chasing, absolutely chasing, chasing the numbers from last game. That is the definition of chasing. We'll talk more about Reddish's performance and the Knicks' performance in their game against the Jazz later on. Malik Beasley up 13%, chasing some of his numbers, but he had been playing at least consistently better. That's not a bad ad, but that's one for today. Sohan for his week ahead. Larry Nance, absolutely must roster. 
Absolutely. Storm and Norman Powell. <laughs> Didn't work too well today, did it? I don't think the Powell remains a 12-team league guy. And you want to know the absolute definition of chasing? Santiago Dama up 11%. So people went, oh my God, Jaron Jackson's returning. Jaron Jackson's returning. So let's go and add Santiago Dama because he had a big game last time out. You missed the boat, guys. You missed it. That is chasing. You do not get the value for the game that he played before you added him. It is chasing the biggest definition of chasing ever. Aldama moved to the bench today and his value is done. But you were but you are adding him because he had a big game last game in a weird one game outlier performance. Crazy stuff. Most dropped players in fantasy basketball. Dasumu down 12%. I get it. He's not playing that well. Two game week. See you later. KJ Martin down 11%. Yep, just a streamer to me. Kavon Looney down nine. Yep, just a streamer to me in 12 team leagues. Rui Hachimura. Every time I see Rui Hachimura as one of the most dropped players, I go, why was he ever one of the most rostered or added players? Why did why did that happen? He's not a 12-team league guy. Shout out to DeAndre Hunter. He just isn't, and he shouldn't be rostered. Dennis Smith down 7%. He's still injured. Rogier and Ball are back. The most no-brainer one of all time. Alex Caruso, the rabbit hunter, down 7%. Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Easy drop. Christian Coloco down 6%. Why was he still rostered in 12-team leagues? I don't know. And De'Anthony Melton, the wave pulled down 6%. Now, I get it. It's a weird schedule. They don't play till Friday, and he has been underperforming. I, I do get that. Personally, I would hold him, but I'm def I'd am definitely be on the fence about it. So out of all of those guys that were dropped, the only one that I argue there is Melton. And even then, it's the most wet tissue paper argument of all time. I go, oh, don't drop him, please. Oh, oh well, you dropped him. What am I going to do? Like, that's how I feel. Like, and I have would have no problem with dropping De'Anthony Melton, because I don't think his upside long-term is there. And in the opportunity he's getting now, he's not producing. And he doesn't play till Friday. Go ahead. No worries. Do it. Drop him. We love it. Today's episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasional budget across the US, the UK, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip or get a classical luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Or you can test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance and terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Bilt Bar is back. Bilt Bar, I'm trying to ignore the stuff that you've got written on this ad read because it's crazy. All I need to tell you is that Bilt Bar is bloody good. Now, that's not part of their read. They're telling me to pause ads and to you know, use all this jive talking slang. You got to try this. I'm talking about Bill Bar's new reimagined flavors with the cookie dough topper and the coconut brownie topper and the coconut brownie bar. Do they sound appealing? I don't know. But me talking like that sounds like I'm an absolute dickhead. But you know what? I'd only be a dickhead if I didn't order Bilt Bar. And I'm sure they hate this ad read. But you know what? You guys know about Bilt Bar because you know how much I love it. And they've got all these new flavors now. White chocolate peppermint granola. Bang. Candy cane brownie puff. Bang, bang, bang. Who doesn't love a candy cane? Who doesn't love a brownie? Who doesn't love a puff? Big puff fans out there. Bilt Bar's got it all for you. And they're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it. 100% real chocolate, but somehow... 130 calories and 
low in sugar, low, very low in sugar. So low in sugar, in fact, that Yvonne Fournier looks at it and goes, wow, my production's even higher than this sugar. That's how low it is. Sink your teeth into that first bite, it'll change your life forever. Yes, it will. You'll start measuring time based on before tasting Built Bar and after tasting Built Bar. So get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Built Bar, or Built, sorry. You've got to try this. Ah, Built Bar. It's built different. Just hire me for your marketing, Built Bar. Um, let's go to game one. The Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. That Built Bar ad makes me lose my mind every time. Because I, I can't I can't keep it under control. I can't keep it professional. It's such a weird ad. I don't, I don't know what to do. Anyway, the Pelicans win at 113-102. As I said, Des Bain was out. And as I said um, in the pregame show, in a show earlier today, that the guy who was going to start for him was going to be Lil John Concha. Yeah! Yeah, indeed. 37 minutes, 9 points, but that's what Concha does. 8 rebounds, 1-3, one 1 steal. Is he a 12-team league ad? Like, maybe. Is he a 14-teamer? Yeah. Get amongst it in a 14-teamer. Tyus Jones did play with Jamarant, but only 20 minutes, 3 points, 3 assists. He's definitely not a 12-team ad. He's a streamer for 12s. 14 teams while Bain is out, and that is it. But th- that that's the impact. Don't look at this game. Don't. I'm warning you. Do not look at this game and go, see, I knew it, Josh. I knew what Bain was out, so Brandon Clark was going to go off. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Let's look at Clark. He had 33 minutes. 15 and 13 with three blocks. It's a fantastic game. It's a fantastic game. It brings him to 160th on the season. So what do we make of this? It, I'm, I am burying the lead a, bit, lead a little bit here. Jaron Jackson was back. All right. So there's lots of ways that you can... I, I don't know the right answer to this, but there's lots of ways that you can read this. Bain is out, so we played Clark more. Eh, doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. Jaron Jackson's back. We love the Jackson and Clark pairing. Clark played more. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true. I think the one to look at is that Stephen Adams had 3,000 in the game's first three minutes, so Brandon Clark played 21 first half minutes. And then, because Clark was playing okay, Adams didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. He finished with 13 minutes. There's your thing. 13 minutes Stephen Adams, 33 minutes Brandon Clark. So Clark played 12 second half minutes, right? And that's not a normal thing, because Adam, it's not normal for Adams to not play a single second in the fourth quarter. So I look at this and go, that's great. I think there's absolutely nothing with this Brandon Clark performance that makes me think this is what's happening moving forward. Don't be surprised when he plays 18 minutes next game. That would be my guess. But foul trouble throws so much off. When so many think Bain's out, Jackson's in, and foul trouble, which one's real? To me, it's Bain doesn't matter. Jackson doesn't matter. Adams, 3,003 minutes. Yeah, it matters a lot. Matters a lot. And Clark played well. It also was useful because the Pelicans, well, their big fella, Jonas Valanciunas, he got into foul trouble too. Jonas Vasilinovasas. So they were playing small down the stretch. They didn't really need Adams in there. So we'll talk about that more as well. But there's just so many factors leading to this being a one-off fluke performance from Brandon Clark that I don't care to add him. But as with everything, I could be I could be easily wrong. And maybe this is the springboard that he needs to become the just the Larry Nance of this team, the pseudo starting center who comes off the bench. Doubt it, but that's a possibility. Moran had 36 and 8, 4 assists, 3 steals, including one of the most ridiculous dunks you'll ever see. Change hands midair to dunk it. He loves over-celebrating after every um after every bucket. Though, you know, do you want to know something that's annoying to me? It's not annoying, but there's no way to fix it. It's in the NBA, right? Jar pulls off this move, it was this great move, gets up in the air, changes hands, dunks it down, and it's worth like two points. It's worth like two percent of the final score. 
And then he goes and celebrates. It goes down the other end. Trey Murphy hits a three, which is already a better play in terms of the scoreboard versus what Morant just did. Like that, That's a huge play. But you can't actually celebrate. It doesn't have that big of an impact on the game. It's still just two points. And I don't know why that bothers me. It's like, I wish that we get these big plays and these huge efforts that turned into more than just hitting the same value as hitting two free throws. Because the excitement level of them is very different. And that's a complete aside that you can do or I can do nothing about. Um, Dylan Brooks, you're going to be shocked at this. He had 19 points and also missed a lot of shots. He had 18 total shots for 19 points. That's 33% for those of you counting at home, and he remains dreadful. He only had two rebounds and one assist, and you don't want him in a 12-team league, I don't think. Points leagues, sure, maybe with Bain out. As for Adams, don't drop him based on this. Oh, Jackson's back, so he didn't play. It was just a weird foul trouble game. We can make that assessment in a week or two weeks, but we don't make it now. Two and five for him. And as for Jaron, he played 25 minutes. He shot 21%. Brutal. Brutal. Seven and six with five blocks. Don't do anything stupid about it. Don't panic about it. He could have had seven blocks easily. He had one which was called a goal 10. He had another one which he blocked, but there was a foul on Concha underneath. I can't remember who it was that was going up. Could have had seven blocks really easily in his first game back. Pretty good stuff. Santiago Aldama played 25 minutes. Okay. Jackson on a minutes limit. I, I, I don't care. You can jack Santiago Aldama off. So the 11% of people who added him. See ya. Get that garbage out of here. Um, all right. Let's look at the Pelicans. We talked about CJ McCollum struggling a lot with his shot. He It, it, it fell. 30 points, 7 triples, 37 minutes, 9 assists. A great game. He'd been bad, but this was a great game. Larry Nance, 31 minutes, 19 and 7 with 2 blocks, 80%. I posited that maybe with Zion out, it might actually hurt Nance because he doesn't play power forward at all. The second part of that was true. No minutes at the four whatsoever. But the minutes went up because Valanciunas struggled and then got into foul trouble. Nance is a must-roster player. They play again tomorrow. I will be intrigued to see that if Zion is out and Valanciunas gets off to a decent start, if we don't get a 28-minute Valanciunas, 20-minute Nance split. I'm not ruling that out, but you still got to roster him. As for JV, it's really bad. I am not dropping Jonas Valanciunas at the moment, but two points in 14 minutes is bad. Three rebounds. He played like six minutes in the first quarter, and then what did he do? Then he played a couple of minutes at the end of the half and then picked up two fouls. But what then happened at the start of the third, he picked up two quick fouls, Garbage calls, but two quick fouls, and that was it. He never returned. So while the minutes have been going down, this is a low-level, bottom-out outlier. He could easily play 25 next game, especially if Zion sits. Don't panic with this. Don't drop. Panic. Don't drop. Reassess it in a few more games, but this is not the norm from him. Herbalife Jones also had early foul trouble and finished with four, so he played 23 minutes. He had 10 points with no steals and two threes. His production's off again. You don't need to roster him in a points league, 12-team points league. Forget it. No, no point. Absolutely none. I think that he's not as good as Trey Murphy personally, um, but it doesn't matter if I think that. It matters if Willie Green thinks it. As for Trey, frustrating that he only played 25 minutes despite starting for Zion. 13 points, three threes, a steal, and a block. He probably is a 12-team league guy at the moment, but... It's trending in the wrong direction. I think he's going to end up a 14-teamer. Ingram had 19, 4, and 2. While the dustbuster, Dyson Daniels, I really like how he plays. Nine boards, 17 minutes, three points, triple one. But where, where does he get the playing time to impact fantasy leagues? I don't think it's there. Because Javante Graham's playing like nine minutes a game. Does Daniels just take those? And if he does, literally, who cares? Because he's not getting minutes ahead of Alvarado, or ahead of Nance, or ahead of Murphy. He just isn't. So we keep an eye on him. We like what he's doing. But there's no speculative ad or anything like that. I don't think that needs to be done with Dyson Daniels. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. Always the fastest and always the easiest way for you to get your betting fix. If we look at week 11 in the NFL, I think it is, can the Eagles bounce back against Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts? Six and a half point favorites the Eagles are in that bounce back game. They're looking to solidify themselves at the top of the NFC. So can they do it? Well, you can find all the odds for NFL and college basketball and uh, NBA over at betonline.net, which, of course, BetOnline is where the game starts. The next game, it is the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks get the win in the end by, what is it, 103-100. Good win for Dallas, obviously, to get the victory over the Clippers. They were they were up big, though. The Clippers did come back pretty strong. Um to get that final result. There was no Kawhi Leonard, of course, for the Clippers, but John Wall did return, and then Luke Kennard left after three minutes. So still rotation stuff that we've got to pay attention to or rotation things that we're still not 100% sure of in terms of how they're all going to go. They started the second half with John Wall in place of Luke Kennard. 17-6-4, a three and a steal. Now, when Kennard plays... And when Kawhi plays, I don't know if there's enough there for Wall. That's good enough to take a flyer on and see where we go. Understanding that you're going to have some real problems, especially with his free throws, but with some categories. I don't think that he's a must, but he's definitely in the conversation with these couple of injuries. Storm and Norman Powell stunk five points on 20%. He's going to be better than this, but this is, what, a month of bad shooting from Powell? And he'd gotten by on some shooting, which... I said for two years, at some point, this is going to regress. At some point, it's going to regress. And it didn't. And I thought, all right, this is him now. Maybe it's not. I don't think he's a must-roster player. Paul George, 23-7-6, 10 turnovers. Great. 8-8 eight of eight from the line. And Batum, out of nowhere, 22 points with seven triples. So outside of one free throw late, all of his points were on threes. Do not react to this at all. He's averaging 14 fantasy points per game before this. Do not react at all. Marcus Morris keeps it going. Just keep going with him until at least Kawhi is back and sort of established and we see Morris drop off. 18-3-4 for Marcus while uh, not much else going on there. Oh, Zubat struggled a bit. He still had the two blocks, but 3-7 and seven there. He started to fall off a bit outside the top 100 over the last week. Um, The Mavericks. Uh, Luka Doncic. Oh, stunning. Yeah. 40 minutes, 35-11, two triples, three steals. How about the free throws? Oh, yeah. That's good. 11 of 11 from the line and 50% from the field. Not perfect, but pretty bloody close for it. Well, Dorian Finney-Smith, he saw Nick Batum went, oh, you're going to make all your all your scoring uh, come from three? I'll do it too. 21 points with seven triples for Finney-Smith. He still has been bad, and I still wouldn't rush to grab him. That's a good game, though. And it was finally a good game from Reggie Bullock. 13 points with four triples, and I don't care. Simple as that. Um, Dwight Powell started, had three, two, and five. We don't really care about him outside of deeper leagues and streaming. Well, uh, Hardaway went scoreless in 22. So yeah, missed all seven of his shots. Very hard to use him outside of streaming. And let's talk about our Lord and Savior, Jason Kidd. Yeah, him talking a C word. Yeah, C word. Um, he was on track for more minutes. Okay. He was on track for more minutes last game, but uh, he got into foul trouble. Did he, Jace? That's why he didn't play him. Nah, I think you'll see his minutes go up. So of course he plays fewer minutes. Every coach lies. All the time. Just don't say anything, mate. Just do, do just say, uh, uh, we'll see. All right. That'll annoy me, but just don't lie about it. Like, what's, what's the point? 
Anyway, 15 and 7 for Woody in 24 minutes. So much for minutes going up. He was one of four from the line. There's going to be these frustrations with Woody all season. Low minutes, fluctuating minutes, bad percentages. He's not as good as the counting stats would tell you that he is. And then on the buy low, sell high show today, we talked about Spencer, didn't we? Saying, hey, what's wrong with this bike? Like, why is he shooting so well? Well, he didn't. Two points on 25% shooting. Sorry, two triples on 25% shooting from three. He ended up with 16, three, and six. Still, the steals have got room to regress, but we knew there was going to be some sort of drop. Before this game, he was the seventh ranked player over the last week, which of course is insane, but we knew there was going to be some shooting regression. He also, the free throws, we talked about them. He shot 67% there, two of three. That's going to regress. And the next thing that needs to come is the steals. So still not a bad line. There's more regression to come, I think, uh, for Spencer, didn't we? Maxi Kleber did have an injury. By the way, yeah, sorry. Jason Kidd, Christian Wood's going to get more minutes. McGee's out, Kleber gets hurt, plays fuel minutes. Look, you throw your hands up in the air, don't you? And you go, what am I supposed to do with that shit? Why tell me something? And then you do the complete opposite with it. That's the frustrating part about trying to uh, being able to project this sort of thing. Let's go to the next game. Really good win from the Knicks here on the road. They were down and they get the comeback. I don't know if the Jazz choked it or the Knicks played well. I don't know which one of those is more accurate here. 118 New York, 111 Utah. Of course, Tom Thibodeau, in the latest addition to Coaches Lying, said, oh, maybe we'll be changing the starting lineup before the game. Well, maybe, maybe, we'll see. Of course, he did nothing, nothing of the sort, and the starting lineup was the same. Cam Reddish played 33 minutes and had a Nick Young-esque 19-1-1. He added a steal and a block. That's not a bad game from Cameron. I actually still don't care for 12-10 leagues. I wouldn't add him, but that is good. Two good games in a row is better than we've seen from him all season. In a 14-team league, there's a little bit of intrigue. The burner, Jalen Brunson, 25-3-8 with three steals, while Julius Randle, only 31 minutes for the double royal. Interesting. <laughs> 15 and 5, a subpar game, one assist. And the reason was is because the bench, stop me if you heard this before, the bench, led by Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin, got them back into the game. I don't know how many times that's happened over the last three years, but no, we could never play them big minutes, never start them, never give them a big role. Never even though they bailed my ass out every time. Well, not every time, but you know what I mean. Um, an absolute mushy turd sandwich of a game from RJ Barrett. But if you love points, you'll say it's okay because he scored 18. But he hit no threes. He had three rebounds. He had no steals. He had no blocks. He shot 28 from the field, and he was 57 from the line on 14 attempts. And that is called urinating on your value. Last game was bad. This game was worse. But if you, if you have RJ Barrett on your fantasy roster in a category league, you look at this and go, like it's it's like Michael Bluth opening the bag that says dead dead dove inside. And he opens it up. And he's like, I don't know what else I was expecting. Like RJ Barrett, shit fantasy game. Yeah, I guess so. Like this is who he is. Right? This is who he is. He had a good little stretch. I think he's, he's better than this game. But this is who he is. Bad defensive stats, low volume threes, low rebounds, and bad percentages and high volume. And it hurts a lot in category leagues. Let's talk about Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, not great, but there are reasons. Three fouls in the first five minutes, so he got benched. And then the Lionheart, Jericho Sims, played a lot in a row and played well. You just made the list. And then Sims, of course, fouled out as well. So Hartenstein closed the game. 22 minutes, two and nine are still in a block for Isaiah. I would still hold him. I would still hold him. Um, this game finally knocks him out of the top 100 for the season. And I don't know what happens when Robinson comes back, but... I'm not here to tell you that Hartenstein's this great player you have to hold on to under every circumstance. I'm not. I think he's really. I think he's good. I think he can be a good player. The 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 
the fact that Tom Thibodeau doesn't understand that he should just use him the way he used Joachim Noah in the past and that would actually work is mind-blowing to me. Look, Isaiah Hunchon having a 7% usage is a crime against NBA coaching. Like, it's ridiculous. But it's what Thibodeau does and it's the worry we had in the preseason that we've got this guy who can be a really good player, but if he's going to use him the way he used Nerlens Noel, it's going to not be good. And he's used him the way he used Nerlens Noel. We keep an eye on it. We watch it. I would hold. I get it if you want to drop. You're not losing huge amounts because Thibodeau is never going to fully integrate a system to allow Hartenstein to do what he can actually do. Toppen had nine and six, but still, despite playing well, only played 18 minutes because, you know, Thibodeau. Well, quickly had 26 minutes, 13 points, four steals, and three threes. That's really good. I don't trust it at all. Not that I don't trust quickly to be a useful 12-team guy. I don't trust him to get 26 minutes a night. So leave him for 14-team leaguers, stream him, see what happens. That's probably about it. Also, interesting, only a nine-man rotation. Evan Fournier, DNP. Quentin Grimes, the jewel of the failed Donovan Mitchell trade, DNP. I don't know if his foot's still sore. I don't know if Thibodeau's a dickhead. I don't know what it is, but he didn't play. So obviously, you don't want Grimes in 12 or 14 or 16 team leagues. This is not the minutes there. Interesting. For the Jazz. Olenek just dropped a casual 27 and 11. Obviously a must roster player. Conley 10, 4 and 7 with 4 steals. Obviously a must roster. Well, Markinen is slowing a little bit, but still. 13 and 6, 2 blocks, 2 threes. Great. Guess what Walker Kessler did? He blocked a shot. Cool. 100% shooting. Cool. 7 rebounds. Cool. Still only 18 minutes. The upside for him, while theoretically it's there, practically there's too many steps to get there. Specialist value, no worries. We know that's there, but that's it. Jared Vanderbilt Bar, another poor night. He had the nine rebounds, but he had two points. In a points league, I don't think that he's a must roster in 12s in a points league. In a category league, I would, would hold, but there's been some struggles. While the Padawan, Colin Sexton. Um, remember how I said, I think he's exclusively a backup point guard. And then I said that, and he started playing 27 minutes a night, sharing the court with Colin. And I went, oh, well, I guess I'm wrong here. Well, he is now outside the top 300 over the last week. He had three points in 17 minutes. He's got a bare-ass empty fantasy game that if he's not playing 30 minutes a night and getting big usage, it's really hard for him to crack the top 100, and we're seeing that now. So if you want to hold on to Colin Sexton, by all means, if you're waiting for a Conley injury or a trade or whatever, but in his current state, he's the fourth best guard. And I don't know if that's worth it. Malik Beasley, 14 points with three threes. The man on the street, Jordan Clarkson, had 15 points with three threes. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. And shot really poorly, but Clarkson still remains a must roster, while Beasley's, to me, on the fringes, despite playing well over this little stretch. And with Rudy Gay out, Simone Fontecchio. Nine points, three triples, 17 minutes. Good game. I don't think we need to actually do anything with it whatsoever, but it was a good game. He was a guy I thought would play a little bit more early in the season, but with him playing that well... Um, and Clarkson and Beasley and Conley doing their thing. There just wasn't the minutes there back for the Padawan, the Padawan Colin Sexton. He's really struggling. And again, I, I don't know if the upside is actually high enough to deal with the nonsense that's happening with these minutes at the moment. All right, last two games. The Nets, ass-kicked by the Sacramento Kings. 153. There was 275 points scored in this game. Sorry, 274 points. 153-121, Kings win it over the Nets. Um, it's hard to read huge amounts into this game, obviously. Kyrie out still. Destroyed. All right. Durant was still good, but what else do we get out of it? Let's start with the positives. And this is the most maybe grasping at straws positive you could have. But Ben Simmons looked 
better. Is he? Does it, does it mean he's good? No, but he looked better. 11-5-3 with a steal on 71% shooting from Simmons. Better. Played 20 minutes, while Claxton only played 18, interestingly enough. Claxton also was a minus 30 in this game, and Royce O'Neal a minus 40. How are those numbers real? I don't know. But Simmons looked better. That's why I wanted to hold. I know it was frustrating. I wanted to hold, and I had, you know, my faith was low. It was limited, but I wanted to see what would happen, and it was better. And that just gives us maybe false hope. I don't know. But it gives us an extra data point to go, oh, okay, maybe. Maybe. But otherwise, chuck most of it out. Like Cam Thomas had 12 points, but did his damage in garbage time. Don't care. Not a 12-team league guy. Sumner, 18 points. Don't care. Kyrie is going to cut into him. Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, nothing. Four points from Joe, three from Royce, nine from Seth. I think Seth and Joe are going to make each other absolutely real fringe 12-team league guys at absolute best. I wouldn't bother with them outside of streaming. Seth Curry's rostered in tons of 12-team leagues. I don't think he needs to be. He can be, but I don't think he needs to be. As for O'Neal, we knew that what he was doing was very un-Royce O'Neal-like. Higher usage, big defensive stats, which he'd never done in the past. And it's starting to fall away a bit. He's outside the top 170 now, the Basmati man, over the last week. Three and two, he's not very good. Um, hold him, but like with so many guys who have these hot starts that are based on stuff that we've never seen or is unsustainable, there's always the risk of that falling off. And I think that might be the case for O'Neal. It's just, it's really hard to judge too much out of this game, though. Again, positives for Simmons, negatives for O'Neill and Curry and Harris, and negative for Claxton. But I don't know what we get out of it. And then on the flip side of that, there's some big performances from the Kings. Let's start with Terrence Davis, who played 26 minutes and had 31 points. Another player who hit seven threes. He had nine boards, four assists, three steals, and a block. And without doubt, that is an unbelievable line. He's going to be in the mix for the monstrous line of the night, which we'll get to soon. That's an unbelievable line. And there is a chance that he plays more minutes if Keegan Murray misses time. Murray played 12 minutes and had to leave with a back problem. But you don't get to play the Nets every game, number one. Number two, you definitely don't hit 75% of your shots or go 7 of 10 from three. You don't do it. You just don't. So can he get extra minutes if Murray is out? Sure, he can. I have seen Terrence Davis do this lots of times. Have well, not lots of yeah, maybe over the course of his career he's had little moments where he does this. But it's one of those things again. A player goes down, the player steps up and does shit that's unsustainable, and it's not just based on minutes. Three steals. I don't care if he gets twenty six minutes every game. He's not getting three steals. I don't care if he gets twenty six minutes every game. He's not having seven threes and thirty one points, or even nine rebounds, or shooting seventy five percent. It's one of those things that tends to bury into our heads where we look at it and go, well, the opportunity's there. And look what he did in that opportunity. When those two things, he could have easily played 35 minutes or 26 minutes here and shot, instead of what did he shoot, 12 of 16, he could have shot 6 of 16. And then that's like 16 points with two threes, grab one less rebound, knock out the three steals, and then just go, oh, yeah, all right, maybe. So everyone's going to rush to grab him. Tomorrow's show, I feel really confident in the waiver wire show that I do that he's going to be there as one of the most added players. I feel really confident about that. And I, I get it. And I understand you take a flyer on it. But is he guaranteed 30 minutes if Murray is out? I don't think so. Is he guaranteed to be this good? Uh, well, it's actually the opposite. He's guaranteed not to be this good. So weigh it up. 
take a flyer by all means, but just be aware of that. Sabonis, 17, 7, and 7. Herder, 19 with 5 triples. Everyone was good. Even the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 16 points, 21 minutes for Barnes. Um, with Murray out, or if Murray misses, I might I might consider Barnes as maybe a 12-team ad. Long-term, again, I don't think he is, but that might work. Malik Monk, only 17 minutes, but 15, 3, and 6. It's enough for me to hold him on the rosters I have him. It's not massive. 17 minutes is not that encouraging. But the rest is good, and the production's still there, and I am still going to hold. Barely. As for Murray, I'll hold, and we'll see what happens. But a lot of this game, on both sides, we can throw out and just make sure that a desperation stream grab of Terrence Davis doesn't lead you to dropping someone valuable. Just that's that's probably the most important part. Grab him by all means, but really, really watch what you do. Really watch who you drop in order to get that in, which might be literally the best performance he has of his entire career, and you've dropped someone who's more useful. Just really be cautious with it. The last game of the day, the Spurs, they were up, and they choked it away in the end against the Blazers, 117-110. How about the big fella, Jakob Pertl, 31 points. 14 rebounds, 5 assists, and a block. Really good. And it's actually 60% from the line, which is good for him as well. But like Terrence Davis, he shot 82%. Now, he's got more of a chance of sticking close to 70 than Davis does, but he is really playing well. The old uh, horsecock, Calden Johnson. Whose horse is that? 20 points with 5 assists and 2 steals. We love that. While Vassal had 21 with 4 threes, a steal and a block. We also love that. Both those guys playing well. Jeremy Sohan with good minutes. Sohan now. Two blocks is good. I think he's going to be an excellent defender. Whether the rest of his game comes along, I don't know. But six rebounds, four assists. He's got three more games this week. Hold. Well, Trey Jones returned, shot 17%, but add nine assists and three steals. Got to still hold him. Kata Bates-Diop moved back to the bench, but still played 26 minutes, which is interesting because in the two games prior, he'd combined for two minutes. So that is hard to get your head around, but... Branham's out, Langford's out. Would he be the guy that loses out when Langford returns? Probably. Not the best night from Goldfinger, Charlie Bassey. Six points, five rebounds at a block on 75% shooting. The reason we added him is he's been playing well, good per minute guy, with five games. And we still ride with it. Three more games to go, still ride with Bassey. He can still be useful enough with three more games this week. But our expectation was never he was going to play 25 a night. It was never that he was going to take over from Jakob We didn't even have the expectation that he would remain ahead of Zach Collins when he returned later on. But the opportunity that arose for us now with five games meant that we added him. So don't get annoyed at it. This is the right move to make, and it still remains the right move to make. You still got to hold on to Charles Bassey for the rest of this week. On the Blazers side of things, well, the sell high on Jeremy Grant is still well and truly in effect. In fact, it's amplified. 29 points. He shot 75% from three with six triples and eight rebounds. I assure you that Jeremy Grant, who is a top 10 player over the last week, will not remain a top 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 player. Maybe I can't assure you he won't be top 60, but I can assure you he won't be a 75% shooter. So that sell high is very much in effect. Lillard had 22 with 11 assists and Josh the Hitman Hart, finally the shots went in, didn't take him, but three or four, fine, 75%, we love it. Seven boards, five assists, three steals on the buy low show, we love that. Simons, just an Anthony Simons line, isn't it? 23-3-2 with five triples. This sort of lack of production in other areas, outside of points and threes, is what keeps him as a back-endish sort of guy. 
And Yusuf Nurkic, he was getting cooked by Pirtle. That's why the low minutes. 9 and 5 in 15 minutes. Minus 21. By far a team worst. He just got cooked. And that meant Drew Eubanks played 33 minutes. 9 and 7 with a steal and a block for Eubanks. Don't need to do anything with that. Don't drop Nurkic. Don't add Eubanks. He just got cooked. Easy stuff. Shaden Sharp had 13 in 23 minutes. He shows some really nice flashes. I worry that he profiles a little bit like a Simons and that he might be a guy that fills it up and scores, but our other categories might be lacking. Still like him dynasty-wise, um, but he's obviously nowhere near a 12 or 14 or 16-team league league, uh, league league, 16-team league this season. Let's go to the lines of the night. The Monstrous goes to, along with the waiver wire line of the night, Terrence Davis. I just had a whole talk about where his value lies and what we do with that. The young gut of the night is the Lionheart, Jericho Sims. You just made the list. And your dud of the night, no shock here, is Rowan Barrett. Just a disgustingly bad performance with your percentages. Your top 10 players in category leagues for today. Number one, Terrence Davis. Followed by Luka Doncic, Jakob Pertl, Demantis Sabonis, Paul George, CJ McCullum, Brandon Clark, Kevin Durant, Jalen Brunson, and Kali Olenek. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Davis, Clark, talked about the circumstances around their big games. Nico Batum, I, I don't care for it at all. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, 14-team leagues. Jericho Sims, not interested. Emmanuel Quickly, if only, but I, don't, I doubt it. Edmund Sumner, no. Cam Reddish, look, maybe in 14-team leagues, but honestly, I, I don't really see it as a 12-team league guy. Drew Eubanks, no. And then Obi Toppin, yeah, maybe, sure. By maybe, I mean absolutely no way while Tom Thibodeau is in charge. Top 10 players in points leagues, Doncic, Terrence Davis, Morant, Pirtle, McCullum, Brunson, Olenek, Brandon Clark, Kevin Durant, and Jeremy Grant. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And if you're on YouTube, you thumb it up and you leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.